Comic Stories, the show where music, human performance, and life intersect and are shared through personal stories. My name is Benny Collins, and each week I invite a guest to choose three songs that have shaped their life in one way or another, and to share the stories behind these songs and the meaning that they hold for them. Outside of this podcast, I work in the field of sports psychology as a mental performance coach, so I support athletes, uh, performing artists, executives, high-performing individuals in any domain, um, just to help them work through any sort of mental obstacles they might be facing to optimize their strengths and help them fully realize their performance. And a little tidbit I'm going to share here at the top of the show, it's actually something I'm going to try to get into a nice rhythm of, is sharing something performance-based that people can apply in their own lives, um, just so they get something more out of this than just a, a fun conversation is um, so for Halloween this year, a couple of weeks ago, I dressed up as an affirmation fairy. Well, I, I, I was planning on dressing up as an affirmation fairy. I went shopping around for some wings. I could not find any wings. And so I threw on my trusty old dragon onesie. So I in turn morphed into an affirmation dragon. What this looks like is I wrote out uh, 50 affirmations on little pieces of scratch paper, stuffed them in my fanny pack and went out for the evening out on the town. And in the places that I was in, um, I was just handing out these affirmations. And it was very, very fun and fascinating to see the responses that people had. Some people were like, why is this tall, uh, blue and, and pink scaled fluffy creature like walking over here and handing me this piece of paper? What is this about? Um, and I sometimes wouldn't even give an introduction. I would just say hi and then hand it to them and they'd read it. And just the expression and the responses that I, that I would get from these people was so great. It was so much fun. Um, the intent behind it, I wanted to give, I wanted to do something that was a little more interactive, but I also wanted to give something that people could hang on to. I realized these are just crappy little pieces of scratch paper, but uh, yeah, I mean, some people probably threw them away, which is fine, but I, I was hoping that people would hang on to them and they would use them later on. Um, there was one that I remember specifically, I was, I was outside of uh, just seeing a concert actually outside. And I, I saw this woman who had called uh, an Uber and she was waiting on the sidewalk. I just wa walked up, handed it to her. Um, and before I handed it to her, I read it. And they usually don't, usually I just hand them a person, a random one, but I read it and it said, your presence is like the morning sun. And she read it and immediately she just melted away and she's like, this is the nicest thing anybody's done for me all day long. I love affirmations. And it was at that moment, I'm like, all right, I can go home. I am satisfied with this adventure of being an affirmation dragon. That's great. Um, but I think transitioning this topic over to more performance-based lens to self-talk, just the topic of self-talk. There's a lot of negative self-talk that we give ourselves on a daily basis, whether it's about things that are important or things that are not important. And an affirmation is a form of positive self-talk that is very, it really requires very little effort, but it can have some pretty powerful positive um, consequences or, or an impact on us. And it's something that I tried to do for myself. I have little post-it notes, um, digital ones on my computer or on my screen, but also actual paper post-it notes that I just put other places in my apartment, whether it's on my screen or in my bathroom mirror, just things to kind of encourage me if I'm feeling in a particular way that's not positive, it's not helping me feel better or live better, and they can make a pretty big difference. And so whether you're an athlete or a performing artist or any sort of high-performing uh, person in your own respective domain, um, affirmations are huge. 
So an everyday person can apply using affirmations to make them feel better, make them feel a bit more confident and just stir up some good old fashioned self-belief so they can feel better about themselves and just carry on and have a great day. Um, but speaking of confidence, believing in themselves, those are two qualities that I would attribute and um, connect with my guests this week, my friend, Shelby Copeland. Shelby is a mom of two, wife, freelance media producer, coach, and athlete. She recently shifted her career away from media production to more holistically incorporate movement and community into her life and help others be prepared for life's adventures and obstacles. She is a NASM certified personal trainer and a level one certified trainer in the Move Nat Natural Movement System and is pursuing her level two in January. She loves working with beginners and people who are returning to or rediscovering movement. She's been a ninja athlete since 2019 and is now an American Ninja Warrior season 14 hopeful as she just turned in her application. She manages multiple chronic health conditions and has navigated chronic pain for over a decade. Movement has been a powerful avenue for finding safety and joy in her body again, and she hopes to share that joy with others. I really, really enjoyed the just the winding road of a conversation that Shelby and I had um, talking it through these songs and just ending up in different places that I didn't think that we would go. We spoke a bit about her health. We talked about um, her experience giving um, giving birth to two children, natural births, um, talking about people in her past, talking about kind of a change in heart on some artists out there and believing in herself believing in herself when she was going through a great deal of pain um, and relying on that belief and relying on those quote unquote successful recoveries or um, comebacks as a sustaining building block a foundation to her present self and to her future self. And so just a big thanks to her for, for really showing up and, and opening up on these stories, explaining the connection that she has with these songs it was really great. It was really great. And she is second to none when it comes to authenticity and just being herself, which I'm very grateful for. So without further ado, here's Shelby. Shelby, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I'm glad you're here too. How's your day going? It's going good. Yeah, it's gloomy. And we had our first snow today here in Madison, Wisconsin. The first of, okay. What's, what was the temperature like this morning? Uh, I don't know, like 40s, 30s, okay. somewhere yeah. in there. Not, not too bad, but, you know, kind of wet, kind of wet and grossed out. Oh, that's the worst. That's cold weather. That's what that is. And yeah. I guess to be more specific, like catching a cold, not like temperature cold. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like now that I live in Texas, I'm a little out of practice about like what winter is and like cold, damp is but it's yeah it's not fun yeah it's interesting to see my children acclimating because they tend to run really warm so like Leland like refused to wear a coat today I'm like I don't know man you might just like want it in your backpack so we like jammed it into his backpack I'm like you can decide yeah <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> here's an option but yeah, I mean, yeah. So you may want to use this option right right this is quite literally in your back pocket just in case yeah mm -hmm. yeah Awesome. Cool. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time to, to sit down and chat. I'm excited to get into these songs, even more excited to get into the stories. I think they're going to be really rich and just very vast and deep, which is going to be 
very awesome and just great. But before we hopped on um, this call and getting this conversation going, we are talking just a little bit, just texting back and forth, I think like a week ago, and you were talking about how there's kind of like a theme of pain with some of these songs. So how did you, how did you get to that as kind of like the, the theme for the music? Yeah, so I think each of these songs kind of represents like a phase or like an era of my life. And I don't know, I feel like often in life, like things that are hard are the things that are worth doing, right? Or the things that stand out in your memory. So each of these, I feel, I feel like is linked to a memory in yeah. that way, often affiliated with something really hard that I walked through. Um, and it's funny, I was actually thinking about like birth. So like I've given birth to two children. I was like, why can't I remember what I listened to during birth? Like, I was like, kind of like bothered by that. I'm like, why don't I have like a song affiliated with this? And I was like, oh, it's because I was in such a deep, like pain cave place that there was just like nothing. There's no sound. Like I existed on a different plane. So like these, I feel like I was, you know, they are associated with something that I was clear enough and present enough to remember <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> that's kind of what these were picked out for yeah that makes sense and so when you're when you're speaking about giving birth did you actually have music playing when you were giving birth I get apparently I okay. mean I guess yeah I don't okay. remember though yeah and yeah. actually Joe and I went through the birth playlist the other day because we were, we were sitting down like I was showing him the songs that I picked He's like, you don't remember any of these? And he's like going through, he's like, what about this song? What about this song? I'm like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I don't remember any of it. Yeah. yeah. Like in, in some ways, like you weren't there. Like you were very, you were there. You were very present. You were giving birth to a human being, but like mentally yeah. you're, you're just so focused on the, the quote unquote task at hand that yeah. like your consciousness wasn't anywhere else, but in that moment. Yeah. And like, for me, so I gave natural birth. I didn't have any like pain meds or anything. So for me, it was just like yeah. breath. Like every breath was just like how I measured time. And then like, literally it was just like a darkened cave is how I would picture it. There's like no visual stimulation, no audio stimulation. It's just like a black hole. Yeah. And like, I don't know, it worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I just crawled into the hole and yeah, breathed. Yeah, that's, I mean, I feel like that's, on a very different, I guess, wavelength. That's almost like what it's like to be in your twenties. Sometimes is like I feel like I'm in just like you know in an ugly dark cave, and all I can do is breathe. And sometimes like have a drink at the end of the night, but mainly like I'm just gonna sit in this cave and breathe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I feel like, but that's true with like any season of life, right? Where you're going through something hard, like there's kind of just the space of just existing and getting through it, and. Yeah, 20s for sure is one of those holes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a decade of a hole. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into these songs. Um, let's go with them. Let's start with the song that you first sent out of the three, which is called Greet Death by Explosions in the Sky. And I think I had heard Explosions in the Sky at one point or another, you know, probably a decade ago when I was getting into more like punk rock scene just a little bit. But what made this song stick out for you? Yeah, so I feel like it kind of just represents this like era of music for me where, um, you know, kind of like post-rock is maybe how I'd explain it. But this is also a time when I was like really into hardcore and like, you know, this is kind of, I don't know, there's all, there's just kind of these interesting musical things happening in like the early 2000s. 
And my housemate was, um, she worked for like a local radio station. So we always just had records coming in and music. Um, but like, I just kind of tended towards like instrumental, heavy, yet hopeful, like post-rock. Like that was just kind of where I found myself musically in this time. Yeah. So I just feel like the song is like such a perfect representation of that. Cause it starts out, it's like a banger. It's like heavy, gets right into like the, dun, dun, you know, like the yeah. heavy stuff. But then there's like this like reprieve and there's like this little like like very gentle like kind of musical break and it builds um so yeah i just feel like it represents that era of music for me very well yeah yeah i i noticed that too there was that transition just it's right around the three minute mark which you just you described it perfectly it was just like this heavy intenseness for that first three minutes but then it was like whoops you just like break through the clouds and like mm-hmm. you finally get a breath of fresh air and it's kind of peaceful and hopeful, like you said, which I think is, yeah. it's just like a cool, it's like a, you know, there's, it's double-sided in a way, which is very fascinating. Yeah. 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 yeah it's interesting that it's the same song, but yeah, it also kind of makes sense too, like where the song goes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned this was, this represents like an era of music for you and what you're listening to. And you said the early 2000s. So were you... And I'm going to take a wild guess here. Is this like late teenage years for you or how, but how old were you Um, at this time? Yeah. So, I mean, I graduated high school in 2003. So went like right to college right out of high school. So like 2004, 2005 is like kind of what this era is. So yeah, I'm like, you know, 19, 20. Yeah. Yeah. What other bands were you listening to at that time? Oh boy. Um, like, so in this vein, kind of like, you know, like Mogwai and like Godspeed You Black Emperor and like, you know, just like all of this instrumental kind of post-rock stuff. But I was also like going to a lot of like hardcore shows. So like uh, Blood Brothers and like, <laughs> you know, just like lots of like screamy hardcore stuff. Um, you know, like church basement shows, like Modern Life is War, you know, where you have like your carabiner on your belt with a single key and you know like I don't know it's oh, like yeah. this whole like Minneapolis like uh metal scene like but yeah. also kind of scenester you know that was sort of like a term or like hipster yeah um yeah but I don't know and for me like you know I have been living in like a Wisconsin suburb and then moved to Minneapolis and like wow there's people in like subcultures here and like I don't know people have tattoos here so right. it's it like a, the music scene was just so fun to kind of explore as a small town girl in Minneapolis in yeah so. yeah it's, it's a vibrant scene I mean like you said there's all these differentiations within a single population of people and so it just like opens yeah up and it's very it's vast in that sense um but when it comes to this song, was this a song that you kind of discovered on your own or was this introduced to you by someone else? Yeah, I think this was, I think this was introduced to me. Um, yeah, I, probably by a person I was dating at the time, actually, because I have pretty strong memories of this person when I think of this song. Um, but yeah, but like, I think musically, like I kind of went down, would have gone down this road anyways. Um, but yeah, this album, I think it, it came out in, did it come out in 2003? I don't know. I should have looked at it. But yeah, like it just, it probably came out around this time. And um, 
yeah, for me, is like associated with relationships at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just like going back and thinking about like the songs that have made a mark on me in that sense, as far as the songs that represent relationships. But then I also think about like, again, the two-sidedness of this song. So we're, you mentioned how you were into like this heavier scene, the metal scene. Were, was there another part of you that did enjoy like the softer side? So kind of like how this song has a, has a B side that's much more gentle, it's hopeful, mm -hmm. it's optimistic, it's peaceful. Was there a part mm -hmm. of you that also identified and enjoyed that genre of music on its own? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think musically, like my taste is tends to be kind of more like folk or like indie, you know, kind of more of like a gentle, like singer songwriter kind of um, background. Like, I think that's what, that would honestly be my preference. Um, so, yeah, I do appreciate that this band and like this is one of their heavier songs. Most of their songs are pretty like kind of more in that hopeful vein, kind of more like light instrumentally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think for me that like it felt accessible because it kind of has this, you know, break in it basically. Um, but that's something I really appreciate about like hardcore and metal of this era is that it's beautiful. Like there's these really beautiful melodies, really beautiful instrumental parts. Um, you know, it's not heavy all the way through. And this is like a filmmaker idea. Like before there's like a loud explosion it's like the sound design is always really quiet. Like yeah. it'll, everything will be quiet because the contrast is so much greater. Like when something explodes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like bands are so good at that. You know, they know how to kind of pull back and then explode forward. Um, so I, yeah, and just like the energy of that to like see shows like this live. Like I love just like feeling the energy in the room and like getting crushed up against the stage and yeah. like just that was really like fun and like so kinetic and so experiential um and even when I hear this song like to me there's like such a like a bilateral movement like a back and forth where it just like makes you just like want to like lean into it um <laughs> and I think we talked about this a little bit before like songs that I'm drawn to tend to kind of have this like back and forth kind of energy this like four four time you know driving mm -hmm. I just find myself like very like songs that have like a groove I can fall into. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was a perfect, you were like in my head with the segue that I was going to go to. So you mentioned like energy in your body and the sensations. What are some other descriptors you would use to like, just, just describe the feelings that you get physically, like the somatic reactions you mentioned being crunched up at a show, shoulder to shoulder, just kind of feeding off everybody else. Like what else, what else comes about for you? Yeah, I mean, I think just like aliveness and like joy and like um, there's, you know, especially musically going to a show where there's more like chaos musically, um, the resolutions are so much more satisfying and so much more like, ah, like, oh, a melody. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's like there's <laughs> relief when like something breaks through, but like um, the chaos is fun to navigate in a crowd with people too. Um, so I don't know, I think, yeah, just feeling alive and like, you know, like, I don't know if you want to make it a metaphor of life, you know, you're going to hit these points of pain or chaos or like malaise or whatever, but then like the melody breaks through again. So I think I just appreciate songs that kind of have that resolution to them rhythmically yeah. or musically. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have like a it's almost like it's a, a catch, you know, like it's almost like at the beginning of this song, they dropped us out of an airplane, but they did give us a parachute. 
And then once they mm-hmm. hit that, that three minute, 10 second mark, like, boof, there goes the parachute. It's like, okay, I guess I'm not going to die. I guess I'm not going to to death <laughs> as they yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but with those, those physical sensations that you get, um, listening to this song now versus back in 2001, two, three, do you still get some of those same like physical reactions or visceral reactions, or is it kind of just like more of a memory now? Yeah. Um, I mean, like when I kind of re-listened to this, I was definitely like doing like a deep sway, like back and forth, you know, yeah. like it's, again, it's like that side to side. It's, I don't know. Like it's, that's what I do when I listen to this. I don't know. So <laughs> maybe it's something in my body that I remember, like it's a way of processing like memories. I don't know. That's what happens though. Yeah. Is this, is this a song that you've shared with others because of the connection that you have with it and because you know what it's had, like the kind of impact that it's had on you? Um, I don't think so specifically. I think, again, more, I picked this because it's more like representative of kind of like a body of songs. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I've probably, I probably showed it to you. I had some really close friends who were like film school buddies we probably jammed on stuff like this for a while and like, you know, maybe put it in our student films. Like, yeah, this is such a cool song, you know, stuff like right. that. I, for sure there was explosions in the sky in some student films, like absolutely. Totally. I don't know if this one did, but like it made its way in there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, we keep going back to like the duality of the song, how there's like two personalities to it. It's like, there's no way a person couldn't make like a cool short or a cool small film based, you know, using the dynamics of this song because it's, Mm -hmm. there's so much going on. There's so much happening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and I don't know if you know this, but like Explosions in the Sky, basically all their music is the soundtrack of Friday Night Lights. Like, are you familiar with that show? I am familiar with that show, but I'm unfamiliar with this factoid. Please continue. So like, I think the first season is like all explosions in the sky on the soundtrack. And which is funny because like I watched that show with Joe later and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really teen angsty. Like seeing it overlaid with like teen angst, like football drama. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Maybe this is why I like this as an old teen. (laughs) That makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So now, I, I, now I, now I think about football, you know, and like, yeah. <laughs> does that, does that change the memory a little bit now that like football is like, is a part of that memory? Is it, does it feel different? Maybe. I think it kind of ages it for me differently. You know what, where you see, like literally see teen drama, like to this music that like was your soundtrack to your teen drama. <laughs> so like <laughs> that, That's kind of a funny overlay for me. It is. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like they stole it from you? Are they stealing their... No, they're allowed <laughs> to have it. They, we felt the same vibe. We can share it. <laughs> yeah, you can be in the muck together. Yes. So my football is metaphorical and it's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. yeah, no, it totally makes sense, though. It's such a good fit for that show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I've only seen a handful of episodes. I've never been a diehard fan or viewer of it but just mm-hmm. understanding kind of the personality of it it's like yeah that totally makes sense that explosions in the sky is all over that soundtrack that oh makes yeah sense. yeah yep. is this one so talking a little bit about you as an athlete you as a coach do you ever use explosions in the sky as like a hype song or anything to get you going in any way 
No, um, which is interesting. Maybe because this is so introspective feeling to me. Mm. And I feel like hype songs, like I want a female vocalist. I want her yelling hopeful things to me, which might be a good segue to my second song. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like I, you know, I have like a specific criteria for like hype <laughs> songs. This doesn't quite fit into it for me, but yeah. Fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, I don't, at this point, I almost want to jump to the second song because we we're kind of. Yeah, let's down do that. it. All right. Okay. Yeah. Unstoppable by Sia. So yeah. it sounds like this may be a song you use to get you pumped up. Definitely. So this is like, have you, do you know the term power pose? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you, you know, let's say you have to give a presentation or something and you're nervous, you're supposed to go into the room or like if you can't go in the room, you go in a nearby bathroom and you power pose. So you make your body big, put your arms over your head, maybe stand, you know, wide and just like feel big and powerful like ah you take up space so for me like this song is a power pose so mm. it's like the lyrics are so confident and so like you know 100 like i'm unstoppable um even if i don't feel that way i like listening to the song like helps me like get into that headspace of like being beyond limitations or being able to push the edge of my capability and certainly facing fear, um, like having the confidence to face unknowns and fears. And so interestingly, the song isn't necessarily something I've listened to before like competitions and stuff, actually something I listened to a lot when I was sick. Mm. So during the pandemic, I, um, so I have chronic Lyme disease. I was bitten by a tick as a child, I received treatment had no symptoms for years but then during the pandemic my illness like came back I started having symptoms again so I was I was really sick for many months and really in a lot of pain um and like took months to heal and while I was in the depths of like the hardest pain days like inescapable 24-7 pain for months um I would listen to this song and like power pose inside of myself that I was like strong enough to like get through another day. And um, I would dance. So I would, sometimes I'd turn off the lights and be in a dark room and listen to this and I would dance and I would cry. And it was just so helpful to just feel strong for like those are, you know, three minutes or whatever yeah. the length of the song is. Just even if I had those three minutes of feeling strong in my body and feeling like joyful in my body, like, that was a, you know, a success for me. That was a victory. And, uh, you know, just getting the endorphins going with dance and crying, getting stuff out, you know, it was just really helpful to kind of um, move things around. And um, I don't know, I was talking to my therapist about this, <laughs> this like thing that I would do, the cry dancing. Yeah. She had this term, this term for it. I can't remember what it is. It's basically like asynchronous, you know, where it's like out of out of sync you know two mm -hmm. things are happening that don't fit together um but for some reason like sadness and joy worked really well for me like as i was mm -hmm. processing pain like pain in this time um so this song uh was a power pose for me while i was sick to just like um know that i could just keep going yeah it's yeah i think it's so important to have like an anthem 
in general, but also specifically when a, when you're going through something that intense and and like traumatic. I mean, if it's 24 yeah, hours. And, yeah. And like the hard thing was, is I just didn't know if it was ever going to end. You right. know, I just didn't know if I would, if I would ever get better. Like I'd had no evidence <laughs> that it was going to get better. Um, and it did thankfully, but, um, to have like a trauma or a pain that you're experiencing that has a unknown end where you have to just be perpetually strong. Um, I think that was the hardest part and scariest part was not knowing well, how much longer do I have to be strong for? Like, when do I get to have a break? When do I get to rest? Um, so that was, that was tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's just wonderful that a person can make a song that's three, three and a half minutes long and someone can use it as a tool just to like help them get through the day. It's just a small break, but then it has these rippling and lasting effects where let's say for instance, you listen to that song three times a day during that period, but then you stop once you start to feel a little bit better, you can probably, I mean, I don't want to assume, but you may actually build up this skill to be able to then go back and kind of replay that experience in your head without the music because you did it so much. So you just imprinted Mm -hmm. this experience and you can kind of conjure it up when you need. And that's like, yeah, that is, that is a hidden talent. That is a skill that a lot of folks just aren't able to access because they may not have to go through something very intense and they actually don't have access to a tool like you did with this song. And so that's, that's in your back pocket now. That's, it's, mm-hmm. it's something you have, which is incredible. And it makes you think about gratitude too. So mm-hmm. looking back, you know, current day Shelby, looking back a year ago during the pandemic, if you were going to say anything to her, what would you say? Uh, I mean, honestly, it would be like, be wildly grateful to be alive. And so even in those days when I was in horrible pain um, with like no relief, um, I could still, you know, find these like three minutes of joy. I could still be joyful and alive despite the reality of suffering at the same time. Um, So I think looking back, I can be, I I know I did that. I know I did that. I know that was real. That's something that I experienced. And so today being in substantially less pain, um, you know, when times get hard or there's an obstacle I have to overcome or whatever, I can be like, you did this, like, this is true. Um, And you know, I'm, I don't know if I necessarily would want to compare, but just to say like, hey, like you have done hard things before. You've accepted pain and joy at the same time. Like you can continue to do that. So I think that just building that intuition and that yeah. trust in myself through like adversity, but then also just applying that to whatever going forward, not feeling confident, not feeling prepared, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. like, I can take those lessons and know they're true for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you've done it and no one can ever take that away from you. And that can, that can never not exist anymore because it happened and you did it and here you are. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like, and maybe I'll elaborate on that a little bit because this is maybe something that chron- like people don't have chronic pain, don't understand. So I'm going to try and articulate this. So like when you are in chronic pain, so I've had, I've dealt with chronic pain for over a decade. It's always low level moves throughout my body. And this is related to 
Lyme disease, but also I have hypermobile joints. And so this can affect my pelvic floor. This can affect my jaw. This can affect my shoulders and my hips, like feet, like it can kind of move around. And that's very, very normal for hypermobile people. But because I didn't know I was hypermobile, um, when I would go to doctors to get help, they would look at the specific area that was hurting. They would, um, you know, often be like, I don't know, there's nothing to do. Here's some antidepressants. Here's some anticonvulsants. Here's some like heavy pain meds to uh, like mask the problem instead of be like, well, let's try and figure out why you're in pain all the time. Let's try and figure out why your joints are so unstable. Um, so there's, there's a, you know, a 10 year conditioning process of not being believed. And of every time I go to someone for support, they say it's in your head. It's, you know, you're crazy or like, this is just a psychological problem. So finally, like to have my physical symptoms come to such a head where I had to start getting creative and like seeking support, getting like some diagnosis, like actual diagnoses, uh, that was just like so affirming because I'm like, oh, there's something I can do. Like there's a, there's a process I can work through instead of not being believed and uh, not believing myself. So I think when I talk about trust and like going through this process and saying things like that was real, like I'm honestly like, this has been a year where I've had to be like, this is really happening. This is real. Um, and like just trusting that and knowing that because there's been such a process of conditioning of it's not real your symptoms are made up like this isn't happening to you because I've had to live for 10 years that way because there were no other solutions or ideas or support so I think for me just like learning that self-trust yeah coming into my coming fully into my body and feeling the sensations like really letting myself feel them um, that's where a lot of healing occurred for me was just trusting myself and knowing that what I'm experiencing is real. Yeah. Did that, did that change your decision-making with other parts of your life? Oh yeah. And I think this is true with a lot of people during the pandemic. Like I just like anything that fell into like the obligation category, I was just like, why am I doing this? And like, you know, to like be in such pain where like, you just, you do not have the space to put up with people's pettiness. You do not have the space to put up with niceties, you know, like mm-hmm. life is so raw. It's so bleak. And I remember even like trying to like read a fiction novel during this time. And I would call it chick lit is the genre of sure. book. It was like this ladies book club. I tried to join to like crawl out of my hole of pain and have some fun. And I was like, I can't fucking read this because like, why, why are we doing this to ourselves? Why are we investing this time in this nonsense story about flatmates? Like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Like, there's no room for beauty. There was no room for art. It was just like raw, like everything was so intense and hard and painful. And like, so I just found myself shedding so many layers of like pretense and obligation and like just all the nonsense of life. I was just done with it. Yeah. Yeah. And how was, I'm trying to think of the best way to articulate this question. How was it, or what was it like existing when you stripped away all those extras and those niceties? Well, it was, it was very lonely because it was during a pandemic and I had like extreme chronic pain. So like I was pretty couch bound for several months. Yeah. Like, 
I think if I could like shuffle outside and like throw a ball to my kids, like I felt pretty good about that. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a big day. Um, it was a big, it is a big day. When you're chronically ill, like getting outside is a big day. Putting on pants is a big day. Like this is the level of like gratitude I had was like today I stood and I cooked something. Yes. Today I lifted up my daughter. Today I got my arm over my head. Like these are big, this is a big deal when you're chronically ill. And like, until you are in it, you can never know how all consuming chronic illness is. It is all consuming because if you're not thinking about it, your body's feeling these sensations. Yeah. So then what do you do? Do you learn to ignore these sensations so you can think about something else? Like, how do you think when you're racked with pain? <laughs> like, it's just such a weird way to live. Um, so finding a balance to just kind of keep going forward and like, yeah, throw a ball to my kid or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thankfully like those dark, dark, dark days were, I would say only like a few months and then it did start getting better after that point. Um, but it was also, yeah, during the pandemic. So we're isolated as homeschooling. So I'm just home with my child indefinitely yeah um and it's winter so it's just kind of rough yeah that's in, in wisconsin like that, it's not mm-hmm. just like an everyday winter like this is the frigid ass north of all yeah. winters yeah it's like it's dark on the in on the outside <laughs> and on the inside <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that i knew you were gonna it's say dark that in here too. Yeah. as you, as like you, you sit there like, wearing a black shirt yeah <laughs> no you just feel like it just became like a mental practice to like cultivate joy yeah. wherever the hell I could so like if it was just like making a cup of tea and then just sitting and enjoying the warmth in my hand right um and that's actually such a it's a that's a powerful um there's all these great studies about chronic pain and like the mind and that's not to say it's all in your mind it's more like to help recalibrate your central nervous system when you have experienced chronic pain for months yeah so like becoming aware of like the sensation of warmth in your hand or like oh i'm gonna think about a part of me that's not hurting right now like just like you know perception exercises stuff like that so helpful and just builds a body awareness that i think is awesome like as an athlete that's really helpful for me to have that ability to kind of tune into a specific part of my arm or the, you know, the temperature of my hand, like, yeah, it's very useful. Yeah. And and as a, um, as a coach as well, have you talked with your own athletes that you work with on that kind of body awareness and being mindful of your, of their bodies? Definitely. And this is something that, man, I think the fitness industry often doesn't do this well. So often I think what happens when people go to work out is they tune out and they put their heads down and they just like crush the whatever programming they have for the day. And, you know, the coach's job is to be the hype man, to push them through it, get them to lift heavier, go harder, whatever. Um, This is a generalization, but I'm just saying this. So what I have discovered in my movement practice and some of the coaches I've been working with recently is a call back to mindfulness and a call back to you feeling what's happening in your body. So you're not looking at other people. You're not hearing cues that you should be doing. 
you're not seeing progressions that you want to do, but your body can't do yet. You're just like learning to figure out like, where am I actually at? And the question always is like, how did that feel? So you're making people have that feedback loop in themselves. Yeah. How did that feel? Oh, that didn't, that felt scary. That felt like I wasn't ready. You know, like calling people back to that mindfulness for themselves. Yeah. And it's empowering because then like, what can't you do if you, you know, cause you can approach something and analyze it for yourself. Like, oh, do I feel like this is something I should try? Hmm. You know, like it helps people learn how to modify and adapt and progress in a safe way. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we're talking about athletics and being in the gym here, but I feel like having that inner awareness and being able to facilitate the inner dialogue can very easily be applied to other areas of, of our life. And like, first thing I think of is like relationships, whether it's romantic or just friendships, um, you know, going on like a cross country road trip, like what sensations come up when I immediately think about driving to the West coast, just things like that. And I feel like there's those those inside when we have those red flags that go off sometimes those are premature and there's not a lot of truth to them but then sometimes there's those deep holy shit take a pause moments and sometimes like those are the ones you want to listen to and so i think that's a super useful skill that you're passing on to them definitely well and i think another piece that kind of comes up too is like trauma like trauma in people's bodies and um I don't know. I just had this really beautiful conversation with a person randomly, like on the gym floor. And we're both like standing there crying and just like sharing these, like, you know, these heartfelt experiences of like working through trauma, like that either is associated with an injury or something that you've experienced in your life. And, you know, that are just requires a lot of gentleness as a, as a coach, I think to yeah. know who you're working with and to safely and safety, not just meaning physical, but safety, meaning like, to respect the whole person, absolutely. Um, how to safely progress people so they they build that sense of safety and empowerment so they can progress instead of pulling back and shrinking away, deepening that fear loop. You know that yeah. folks experience when you've had trauma. So that's another area too. I just think mild, mindfulness with movement is very helpful and powerful. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I think what you're you're kind of alluding to is psychological safety in that. Mm -hmm. And that is Definitely. so, so huge. Like that was in grad school. That was one of the, the things that I learned in a class that I was so excited to get into because I realized how much that it applied to different areas of a person's life. So not just in sports. So it's very, very fascinating. When you're in yeah, the gym. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, yeah, please. I was just going to say one more thing. So like yeah, yeah. recently I, I did a four week beginners women's only ninja class. And my awesome. two goals for that program, it wasn't like, can you dead hang for 30 seconds? Or like, who can throw the stickest lache? It was like, do you feel safe? Did you feel welcomed? Did you feel like you belonged in this space? Yeah. Those are the two things I cared about. When we sent on a feedback survey afterwards, I was like, can we ask these questions? Because that's all I care about. Um, so I, I don't know, for me as a coach, maybe I'm too soft, <laughs> but like, Sometimes my goal is literally, literally just is, did this person feel safe here? Yeah, I think that's huge. I really appreciate that. And coming from like a traditional background of just, you know, the, the quote unquote, like all American sports of football, basketball, blah, blah, blah. No one ever thinks about that kind of consideration and care for a person. So I think that's huge, especially for people that may be adults and are stepping into a whole new arena of sport that they've never really done before. Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. It's like, if you can't, if 
if the person gives you feedback and they didn't feel safe, they didn't feel welcome, there's no way in hell they're going to come back and it's going to be mm-hmm. a terrible experience and they're going to be t- possibly turned off from that for from henceforth, from that moment on. So mm-hmm. I think that's such a great way to start that relationship with those people, but also just establishing that, that program. I think that's amazing. Yeah. You know, maybe in the future I can add a few more goals, but it's a good yeah. starting place. <laughs> yeah. That's a great baseline. That's, that's such a great foundation. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about before, so kind of going back to the song, when you're in the gym, when you're in coaching, do you use music like in the background at all? Or what is the atmosphere like? Or what kind of atmosphere do you like to set for your athletes? Oh, wow. So, hmm. I'm usually not very aware of music. Um, kind of whatever's on. I don't know. I mostly coach kids though. So, you know, it's kind of different. Just got to sure. make sure there's no swears. Um, but generally, <laughs> generally like feel good pump up music is kind of like, you know, like Lizzo or like, sure. you know, just like feel good, fun pop where it's like, we're having fun we're like safe and like we can laugh like this is a space where we don't have to be serious we can laugh we can laugh at ourselves you know we can play so play playful fun light that tends to be the mood I like to set yeah and I imagine when it comes to working with kids the lyrics of the song may not really hit home like with unstoppable unstoppable by Sia so it's really all about what you mentioned before as far as like the poppy the bouncy the energetic the fun yeah rhythmic kind of music Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Just like kind of that upbeat energy is kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah. Awesome. I really like where that conversation went. That was really great. Cool. We yeah. just took so many left turns and then right turns. Oh, yeah. That was, that was great. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go to song number three here. Learning to fly by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Mm-hmm. How did, how did this one make the cut? All right, I'll tell you how, Benny. <laughs> Great. So I always wrote off Tom Petty. I was like, boring old man with a weird voice, <laughs> uh, really boring blues stuff. Who cares? Like, I'm going to be really cruel, but like when he died, I'm like, what's the big deal? Old guy. What's okay. the big deal? Sure. Always wrote him off. Never, never even gave his music any hate it no mind i feel like we're getting but, hints of 19 year old shelby in that response that angst yeah. i want yeah <laughs> i have these opinions so maybe <laughs> the point of this story is you're you can change your mind you are allowed as a grown-up in fact it's encouraged when you get new information it's okay to change your mind so it turns out i do actually love tom petty hey full <laughs> circle out, i really like him <laughs> so here's how i discovered how another story of pain um so i recently went and got a tattoo that i've always wanted it's a mother bird covering a nest with two eggs with her wing mm. so representing my two children yeah. and it's just like a, a representation of like power and peace at the same time. So I was, I'm just very excited about this. So walk into the two tattoo shop, have never seen the design, see the art for the first time. I love it. We get, get right down to the tattooing. And um, (laughs) it's like the most incredibly excruciating pain I've ever felt in my entire life. And like, as a person who's dealt with chronic pain, as a person who's given natural childbirth, I'm like, well, this is surprising. Didn't think this would be so bad. Um, 
it was wild. It was wild how intense it was. So while I'm laying there, like having searing, searing pain ripped into my rib cage, um, Tom Petty comes on. And this whole album um, plays all the way through. And so while I'm laying there, I was like, oh, fucking Tom Petty. <laughs> I was like, no. And then I was like, wait a minute. That was a nice guitar part. <laughs> wait a minute, that bass line is pretty satisfying. Oh, I kind of like his weird voice. <laughs> so like, as I'm doing, like laying there for three hours, I can't, like, there's nowhere to go yeah. in, my, in my mind. I was just like, all right, Tom Petty, I kind of see what you're doing here. Mm. Okay. And so like later I returned to this song specifically and I was like, oh, he's the one who like, kind of like, hold this together in a lot of ways like he's the one who made these like really palate like it's very palatable it's very pleasant it's very like it again it like falls into this nice groove and I like it I like Tom Petty (laughs) (laughs) that is wonderful yeah so yeah I don't know I guess I just chose it as like a musical selection that like I you know that I chose later and like I chose it. It wasn't because my dad listened to it, you know, whatever. It was like, no, I like this and it's okay to know what you like. And and maybe it goes back to that trust piece to like yeah. trust yourself. Like something about this is nice. I like it. That's okay. It's okay if other people don't. That's huge. Is the like the acceptance. Like that's what that makes you think of. It's it's accepting of the preferences that you have and trusting yourself. And, ex- and really accepting yourself, I guess, if we want to, you know, even go further down. But yeah. after having that connection with this song, being laying down, getting inked for three hours, did this encourage you to go further into his discography and check out what else that he has? Or was this kind of like a one and done? Um, yeah, so I think specifically the album that has Learning to Fly on it is the most connected in my memory. But yeah, I'll go down a Tom Petty rabbit hole. Like I, you know, I've kind of like just sort of started branching out. Some of it is kind of getting into that bluesy, bluesy realm I'm not into. Got it. But um, I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah. Is there like a, I guess what, what mood has to be happening inside of you for you to want to listen to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? Oh, yeah. So this is, for me, this is really nice, like, um, multitasking music so if I'm like Mm. running or rowing you know kind of like the long like oh I just gotta sit on a rower for 30 minutes or whatever yeah gotta do some hill sprints you know I like I find it to be really nice background music driving um or like cleaning like a massive amount of dishes in my kitchen yeah yeah I mean a family of four will accumulate a lot of dishes in a hurry I've seen it I've seen that kitchen pretty gets pretty wild in there like, give it 15 minutes around in between like 4 and 6 p.m and it's yeah yeah sometimes you just have to leave it for a day just to like give yourself a break right and then and it then, gets worse and then go to a dark room and listen to unstoppable by sia and, and dance and cry and dance and, yeah dance and cry and then you come yeah. back and you sit at the top I, gar- I guarantee you this has happened <laughs> probably i should i should do that myself i mean i don't have a family of four but um, I could maybe go through that practice and see what it'd be like. 
it would be interesting. Yeah, I will. And then I'll, I'll report back to you, let you know. Thank you. Yeah. Sounds good. You can just come do my dishes, though. It's part of this experiment. See, you say that. I actually don't really mind doing the dishes because oh. for me, yeah. And like, I mean, if 14 year old Benny heard him, heard me say this right now, he'd be like, dude, what the hell? There's no way <laughs> I wanted to do that back then. But now it's kind of like this meditation where I can zone out. I can just pick up a sponge. I can scrub this thing yeah. and I can just be elsewhere mentally. Like mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of, a lot of stuff done when I'm washing dishes, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's about, no, about processing yeah. that happens. Yeah. And that defragging, like, so I read this awesome book called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. Mm. He talks a lot about like how we've lost a lot of white space in our life. So bo- like boredom space, to be totally honest. And so he, his story kind of hinges around hunting and how he would just like go sit in the same spot for like eight hours and have nothing to do except for just like turn over thoughts in his mind or like read a candy wrapper and see if there's any typos you know like just yeah something to do anything yeah and I have I only have experienced this a tiny bit but I I actually went hunting last week for the first time with a mentor it was like four hours we sat in the same spot and it was incredible how just sitting and like all you're doing is looking and listening you're doing nothing else wow it was so good for my brain like I I felt this like peace radiate out from that experience for like days afterwards it slept better like I just felt so much more able to handle anything that came up in my day like my kids outbursts like just everything just felt so much more manageable and it just makes me realize how like kind of losing that white space in our lives comes at a cost like it's important to do yeah yeah it's like a it's such a good way to refresh. I think being able to like get into that space and just kind of like decompress, def- like use the term defrag before. And you're able to kind of return back to the normal operating life that you have, but with so much more clarity and mm. smoother decision-making. You're probably, I mean, at least for me, I know I'm more approachable. I'm less irritable. I feel like I'm a little more alert. I'm a little more forgiving. I'm just, I'm a better person all around. I think that's what happens. Um mm. Yeah, so much goodness can come from that of just sitting and doing mm-hmm. little to none. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, dishwashing for sure falls into that category. And like for me recently, I've made some nutrition changes to help manage my health conditions. And mm. it just requires so much more time in the kitchen. And at first I found myself really resisting that place because I'm like, oh, but it, I have so many other things to do. And man, when you just like allow yourself to fall into the task at hand yeah, and to just like experience the time that it takes to do, you know, peel the carrot or whatever you're doing, like it's a whole new level of presence. It's really, really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I took, I took a mindfulness course in, in school and we had a couple of um, assignments and exercises. I think one was like mindful eating. So taking a raisin and trying to eat it as slow as possible. Mm-hmm. And it could be, it could be 15 seconds. It could be three minutes, but it's mm-hmm. kind of that same thing where I was able to just zone out and just think about all the different sensations that come from it. And then you're just kind of, it's almost like you're in this little tiny experiment and then it's over and you step out and you're like, Oh, well, I feel different. And all I did was eat mm-hmm. a raisin. 
Yeah. Yeah. But isn't that so cool how you can bring that practice to like, so as an athlete, I think we've talked about the book Mind Gym. Have we talked about it? We have. We have. Yeah. Okay. But I, man, you can go into your mind gym with anything. Like, you know, like I've been talking to people about like when we go rock climbing, you know, you have a project, you've got, a, you know, a route you haven't quite sent, but like, you know, you're getting close and like lay in bed and like, just think about it, visualize it and kind of mull it over in your mind. And um, I don't know, it's, I just think it's cool how that mindfulness, that presence, like you can bring it to any task, eating a raisin, climbing a project at a climbing gym, you know, like, right. It's and all it requires is your your attention, really. Yeah, yeah. Are these? I mean, and it may be maybe early. I really don't know. But have you spoken with your own kids, and specifically Leland because he's older? Have you spoken with him at all as far as like attentional awareness, um, slowing down, anything like that? Is that ever entered conversations with you guys? So I think for kids, what's most age appropriate is anything that has a natural consequence that's like mm-hmm. kind of immediate, a cause and effect. So an example I can think of is we were hiking, um, it was like a month ago. It was like, it got down to like the thirties at night. So it was, it was pretty cold. Yeah. Um, but during the day it was very warm and pleasant. Um, so <laughs> my kids like to be barefoot a lot. We were going to go on a hike and they were barefoot. And I said, guys, here's the deal. We're going to be walking on varied terrain. You get to choose bare feet or shoes like natural consequence of not having shoes is like you're gonna have to walk on some gravel and there neither of them chose shoes so we're on this hike we're walking on gravel find out there's poison ivy all over all all over the path somehow neither of them got rashes I don't understand statistically how it's possible it was like the whole path was all poison ivy um but like you know, the natural consequence was, okay, you chose not to wear shoes. So you're feeling all these sensations. That's the consequence. Um, but then also like going downhill, my, like Elida was like barreling down the hill, like, uh, you know, how kids do that thing. And we're like, uh, yeah, like it's the, best. the it's way so it's funny. like taking them down. <laughs> but then she like wiped out and like face planted, like on a rock, you know, was crying. Oh no. And so she was fine. But like, we just, like I let her cry and I kind of rubbed her back. I'm like, Hey, you know, you fell down she's like yeah I'm like you fell down because you were going very fast she's like yeah I'm like maybe when you go down a hill next time you pay attention to where your steps are pick your steps you know choose a speed that you can control like do you want to try that next time she's like okay so we continued down the hill and she just moved more mindfully after that so you could see her picking her steps and you could see her like so that registered with her because it was a cause and effect, like a natural consequence type situation. Yeah. So, Moving with purpose and intention. Yeah. Yeah. So I think little kids can hear stuff like that when there's like a natural consequence involved. Yeah. Yeah. It has to, you know, exist and relate to whatever they're doing in that moment that actually makes sense in their world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, with eating, like mindful eating, like, you know, it's a time we sit together at the table you know, we're not walking around the house with like a hunk of cantle open our hand jumping on a trampoline. Like we come together at the table, we're experiencing nourishing our bodies together. Like, yeah. So just trying to find those daily practices. Yeah. They're all over. They're pretty endless, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Were there, so outside of 
these three songs, were there any others that were close to making the list of three? I mean, I feel like I kind of had a lot in similar veins, like, you know, I don't know, there's some Lizzo songs where I'm like, that could be my pump up song, you know? Sure. But it's kind of like a similar sort of genre or like feeling. Um, so yeah, I feel like these are pretty representative. Yeah. And, and with the first song, I know you mentioned that um, it kind of transports you back to that time, like the late 90s, early 2000s, and um, brings up to some memories of a person that you dated at that time. Do these other songs make you think of specific people? Hmm. Um, I, you know, maybe not in the same way, just because I, these are songs I chose. You know what I mean? Like, these are songs I picked later. Because like so much, so much music in my life has been shown to me by friends, you know, like, hey, check out this album or like Joe, you know, he's always checking always, out new music. He's such a pusher, such a pusher. Yeah, <laughs> no, but like, he's the one who often shows me new music. So yeah, I think with like Sia and um, Tom Petty, I chose them because I liked them. And so I, I don't really have people affiliated with them. Yeah, which is... Which I, th- which I think is great. It's great. It's it's like it's a it's a kind of a, a very personalized experience. The music is something that is shared, and sometimes it's not. And I think mm-hmm. it's however you want to enjoy it. I think that's what matters. That's the most important thing. Is is getting the most mm-hmm. out of it in the way that makes sense for you. Yeah, definitely. One thing that is funny is like I did definitely sit down with earbuds and put on this Tom Petty album and like learn bass lines on the electric bass. Like nice. That, and then Joe like walked in. And he's like, "Oh, I know what song you're playing." I'm like, "Yes, you can tell. It sounds like music." <laughs> so that was cool. It makes sense. <laughs> it's a thing. And he's like, "Wow, yeah, like you're doing okay at that." I'm like, thanks, man. <laughs> Coming along. Yeah. Yeah. I only recently started playing the bass, so I got mm. a lot of work to do there. Yeah. Yeah. How's it been going so far? Oh, it's fun. Um, I foresee it being something I do kind of more in the winter months. But for me, it's like learning. I just kind of want to learn some of the basics of like a groove. Mm-hmm. So like if I if I were, were to ever play with people, I would kind of understand like the structure of a basic song. Yeah. Because um, like my musical background is classical. So I played violin for, I don't know, 10 years or something like that. Right. Um. And that was always like reading sheet music and like you just practice, practice, practice and you play it exactly as it's written. So like the space of like improvising and jamming is something I'm really interested in, but I just have never learned how those pieces fit together. Yeah, yeah, it can be, in my experience, it can be one of the things that's very complex until you figure it out and you realize it's not. But mm-hmm. but the figuring it out part is just like, oh, like how do I eclipse that and enter that mm-hmm. space where I can then play instead of being in more of like a figure out kind of mindset I guess Mm -hmm. yeah and like the endurance like and like like with bass like you're sustaining like you're enduring like you have to lay it down and like hold it the whole time like it's not like you can like kind of step out like a guitar like you're just in there with like the drums the whole Mm -hmm. time so I think for me just like building up that endurance and like being able to hold a rhythm for like a prolonged amount of time is just something I'll have to work on yeah yeah well it's fun I'm excited for you it's yeah I think, I think especially with like the winter time like we need projects and hobbies like that mm-hmm. like the hunker down at home projects we need those yeah 
Yeah, and we're actually gonna um, get a short scale base that's a little friendlier for smaller hands. Sure. Because um, our current base, you've played it, is quite large. So. I learned I learned how to play bass on that base. I know. Oh, cool. Yeah, I am familiar with the creamsicle. It is creamsicle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what color the new one's gonna be, but it'll be smaller. Yeah, well, I'll keep a lookout. I'm excited to see what you guys come up with. That'll yeah. be cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well. I think we're, we're coming up on that time. Is there anything that you're excited about or any words of wisdom that you want to leave here for the masses? Uh, yeah, I mean, excited about, I just applied for American Ninja Warrior season 14. Ooh. So that's a thing I did. And Hell yeah. Ooh, like, so I'll go back to one more thing. The Comfort Crisis, this book I mentioned. Michael yes. Easter talks about this concept. Um, it's from... Aikido, like martial arts background called misogi. And it's a practice where it's like a toughening of yourself. So often it would involve cold water. Like you go stand under a freezing waterfall and you just breathe and like endure the discomfort. So he kind of took this practice and said, misogi has to be something that you have a 50% chance of failing at. So it has to be hard enough where like you may fail, like you have a like one out of two chances of failing. Like right, it has to be right. that hard and it has, you can't die. <laughs> that's the other rule. Oh, good. Oh, like you, it, has to, it has to be like within boundaries that are safe. Like it's not mm-hmm. like you're putting yourself in the way of death. I think really those are the only two rules. So for me, applying for American Ninja Warrior as a chronically ill person, <laughs> as a person who deals with chronic pain still, I'm like, this is my misogi. Like I... <sighs> I definitely have a 50% chance of failure. Um, but for me, like getting accepted onto the show and my goal is to get my hands on the second obstacle. So usually okay. first obstacle is pretty doable, usually pretty basic balance. Second is usually very technical. Yeah. And like, if I can just touch obstacle two, that's it. That's like, I've achieved my goal. Awesome. So, but I definitely have at least a 50% fail rate of that. So sure. Wow. That's so exciting though. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like training, like doesn't intensify because I can't, I can't train harder. My body will literally fall apart. Right. So I just like have to trust my slow and steady training, maybe adding a little bit more grip in. And I just wait for three months to see if I get a phone call. Yeah. Well, I, I tip my cap to you for having the strength to wait for three months. I know it's going to be one of those things you have to be like, Oh, well, guess that's how it's gonna go but yeah yeah it's totally out of my hands right now so I'm not stressed I'm just like hmm, I don't know yeah falls in their court yeah I, why why worry about it right so, yeah, yeah you, hit, you click send and there it goes mm-hmm. yeah well that's super exciting and super great I'm excited for you and I think just reflecting back on the conversations that we've had and with these songs specifically I truly think that you put the warrior and American Ninja Warrior when thinking about these songs and just the resilience and the strength that you've shown with some of these songs and speaking about natural birth and enduring chronic illness and pain, you're doing it. You're doing it. And I think you've proven to yourself that you can do it and you will keep on doing it. And I hope you hang on to that for a very long time. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and there's something scary about stepping out into like a very public sphere, you know, like very, very, like a high visibility space. And like, for me, I think taking the, taking that step is important because 
I think sharing stories is super powerful. Um, and I wish more people had shared their stories while I was struggling. I wish I had heard more people about dealing with chronic pain and chronic illness. I wish I had heard those stories. So for me, I think it almost feels like, you know, if you've gone through a fire and you can come out carrying some buckets of water, you know, like I feel an obligation to carry those buckets. And for me, that means being willing to be in the public, even if that's super uncomfortable for me. So I'm hoping yeah. I get the opportunity to share some of my story and some hope with people um, who might be struggling. Yeah. And I think you mentioned earlier in the conversation that life is raw and bleak and intense. Unfortunately, there are there almost always will be people that are struggling and don't feel hope. And so I, I think it's just magic that you have that inside of you that you want to share because those people need it. We all need it. I need it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like we all need some sort of pick me up and yeah, the generosity does not go unnoticed. Yeah. And I also just think it'll be really fun. <laughs> yeah. That too. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cause you get to relive the whole story of it and then finish with that exclamation point of I'm still here and I survived and I'm kicking ass. Yeah. Or, you know, you've fallen off school one and whatever, it's just another life lesson. It's fine. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, they told me I had a 50, 50% success rate, so I'm not really surprised so here. Yeah. The odds were, you know, going to work out this way. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to sit down and have a great chat and finding a babysitter today to make this happen. I, I don't know who that person is, but I'm grateful for them too. It's my mom. I am grateful for your mother today. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, and my daughter on the way to my mom's house said, grandma is the cutest girl. <laughs> so that is the sweetest thing. <laughs> she's pretty stoked about it too. Yeah, man. I wish somebody would give me that comp compliment sometime. <laughs> then he just come to my house do my dishes, get complimented by my kid. That's Problem a, solved. That's a square deal. That's, I yeah. will take that conversation. That's a, that's a square deal. Awesome. Good. Okay. Well, thank you again, Shelby. I hope you have an awesome day, awesome weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Ben. Mm -hmm.